I want to do something that's a little different. Would you just do that now, please? So this will take two minutes. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops, so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. <laughs> One of the things, I, I preached this message in Poland, it's lived with me for some time, and so the grace of God has been very real to me for some, for some weeks now. And uh, I, I want to speak on the grace that's found in this passage. Uh, it's, it's a huge subject. It's, it's best, actually, it's best not taught, it's best lived. It's best understood, it's best received. Theologians have tried to... to, to, to help us to understand grace for many years, but we, we're still a long way off. And preachers have preached on it for, for, for a millennium, and yet still we haven't grasped it in all of its fullness. It's something that's best found in the heart. It's best received by, by brothers and sisters, by people. And we live in the goodness of that grace. I, I, I want to say this to you, we're not home yet. We're not. We're not home yet. There may be circumstances, sickness of every kind, hardship, tri trials and temptations of every kind may lay in wait for us. And uh, I woke up this morning with this. It's a song from, from, from Wesley. Though all the hosts of hell rush in to make a second claim, they all rush out at the mention of his name. Yes, and his name is Jesus. They all rush out when we mention that name. We, we, we have, he has first claim, first place, first position. But there are many things that want to make a second claim on us. 
It's like having a second mortgage. <laughs> I, I, I don't want one. There's one who makes a claim. I want to say that, that, that there are many things that lie in wait for us. I didn't see the day of the oak tree or the ditch. I never saw that. There are things that you haven't seen yet or, or circumstances or situations, either good or bad, that you've yet to experience that you can't foretell. You don't know them. You don't know what's, what lies in wait for you. But I want to say this to you, that if grace doesn't make you dance a little yeah, on the way, I'm getting trim, I'm getting ready for dancing. But if grace doesn't make you dance a little bit on the way, then you haven't heard the same gospel that I've understood. The gospel you've heard is not the, the, the one that's in this book. It's not the one that's been written. You've misunderstood the gospel that actually grace gives us dancing feet. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I want to bless you this morning. It's my joy and my consolation. In spite of all of that stuff, and believe me, there is some of that stuff, in spite of all of that, it's my joy and my consolation to journey with, with precious souls like you. I'm blessed. The journey with you, wow. I want to say that none of us got here by ourselves. We didn't. I got here with Bob. It's been a journey, but I got here with you. I'm here today in the presence of God because of you. Because of your input, because of the words that you've spoken, because of the grace that you've shown, because of the mercy that God has lavished upon me. I want to say this, that, that we are... Ministers of the grace of God. Messengers of mercy. Brothers and sisters, to me, you're faithful. I, I know you've got weaknesses. I don't, don't misunderstand me. I know you're not perfect. I, I know that. Okay, but you're ministers of the grace of God. You're loyal, faithful, and true. Who better to journey with? I'm not home yet. I'm not home yet. I could have been, but I'm not. <laughs> if I had been, you wouldn't have to listen to this. But I'm not home yet. Grace more than we deserve. Greater than we can imagine. Greater than we can tell. I want to say this, that grace before, before Christ. It's my story. Yeah? Grace before Christ. While we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. The just for the unjust. I could quote this. I can't. I haven't got time. The just for the unjust, you know, and all that stuff. He died for us. While I was lost, he sought me. Chased for me, found me. You're the gifts of God to me. You're the grace gifts of God to me for my journey. I didn't get here on my own. I'm amazed that I got here at all, actually. <laughs> but, but if you knew my story, if you knew the things that I've been through, if you knew the rough places and the rocky paths and the things that I've stumbled and the times that I've fallen and the grace of God has got me up, I'm amazed that I'm here. It's grace that's going to get us home. It is. With hands held high as we cross the finishing line. Yeah. as we rush over the line to finish with our hands held high I want to say this now let's, let's look at this story because I, I find this wonderful Mephibosheth would never forget the day 
Word spread quickly. Jonathan and Saul were dead. He was in his house with his nurse. Bull rushes on the floor. And, you know, it, it was characteristic in those days that the whole of the family were wiped out. All of those who were pretenders to the throne were killed. They were eliminated. And the nurse, knowing this, rushes in and she snatches him up, grabs him up off the floor and runs with him. Unfortunately, she drops him. And both of his ankles are shattered. And he becomes a cripple for the rest of his life. I want to say he never saw that day coming. He never perceived that there would be a day when he would have to run and to flee. When he would live in a place called Lodibar. You know what Lodibar means? I've I've discovered this. It means desolate, unfruitful, abandoned. Anybody live in a house called Lodibar? It was a place where there was nothing. Forgotten. Forsaken. It's the meaning of the word. He never saw a day that would destine him for destitution. To live as a pauper. But I want to say this, that Mephibosheth also didn't see the day that was coming that would restore him to the palace, the day of great grace, the the day where he would receive the grace of God in a way that, that would impact his future forever and forever. I want to tell you there was a day that he found grace. And whatever situation and circumstance you're in today, there is the grace of God that comes. I don't know whether you feel that you're in Lodibar, whether you feel that you've missed something, whether you feel that you've lost something, whether, whether God is distant from you, but there is a day of grace that comes. And so that day draws closer and closer and closer to us. I want to say that grace is a dirty word for the devil. Because he hates it. Hates the word grace. He wants to see us sweat and to work and to do penance and to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and to get on with it. He hates the word grace. But I want to say this, it's through grace that you've been saved, through faith, not by works, not of yourself, lest any of us could boast, but it's the grace of God that's done this for us. I can't stand before you today and say I'm the best preacher or the most eloquent man, but I can stand before you and say that it's the grace of God that's done this. It's his grace that's lifted me. It's his grace that saved me. It's his grace that's moved in my life. I can say that. I can claim the grace of God. I can't claim anything else. It's the power behind the gospel is grace. It's not some creed or religion or philosophy. The gospel that we have is the gospel of grace. It's the wonder of the gospel that God could reach me. How about you? Not amazed that God could reach you? He could... Come to Lodibar and lift you up from the desolate place, from the lost place, from the hurting place that he could deliver you. The distinction of the gospel is this, that grace is God's favour to us. No other religion has that. God's favour is unearned, undeserved, unrepayable. And it's the concept of the whole of the New Testament. It's called grace. Too often we we, we just limit the work of salvation to this one moment. We say that when we were saved, grace worked. But I want to tell you it's the power for our lives, for our living, for our doing, for our going, for our coming, 
for our sleeping, for our waking, for our working. Come on, the list is endless. It's all grace. Every moment of every day, it's grace. Every single breath that I take is grace. I want to give you some scripture. 2 Timothy 2.1 Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 4 Be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Are you stewarding the grace of God? Are you giving it away? 2 Peter But grow in grace. Revelation The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Satan would have us leave grace at the, at the very altar. God says that it's only where grace begins. It's the place that grace starts. God's grace starts there. It enables and enriches our life. It causes us to know that we move forward. The devil is telling you grace is just for salvation and the rest of it's up to us. If it's up to me, then I'm sorry, but we're lost. If it's just up to me, then we're hopeless and we're ruined. If it's just up to you, then there's, frankly... We're in a mess. Sorry, guys. But we're in, we're in a state if it's just up to us. But the grace of God works for us on our part. God's grace is undeserved favour in our lives. You know, David had just beaten his greatest enemies, the Philistines and the Moabites. And I, I believe he sat in his palace. That's what I believe. You know, it doesn't say that, but I believe it's what happened. He sat in his palace and he thought, oh my goodness. I remember when I was a shepherd and now I'm a king. I remember the journey that I took. I remember the distance and the time that it took me. I remember the lion. I remember the bears. I remember many things that happened to me on my journey. Who is there that I can show grace to? Is that how we should be? That we, that, that we get to a place on our journey and we sit down and we think, oh my goodness, who can I show the grace of God to? I remember when it was like, I could tell you stories, you know, make your hair curl. I remember when it was like that, but it's not like that anymore. Because now I'm a son and I'm a daughter of God, I'm adopted into God's family. I'm a royal priesthood, I'm part of the family of God. Who can I show grace to? And I I believe that David was feeling like this. He'd come from the sheepfold to a throne room. Would you not be stunned by the grace of God? Do you not be moved by the grace of God that you've done this journey? I've come from the gutter. I've come from the prison. I've come as a lost soul. And now I'm part of the family of God. How awesome. How incredible. What's your story? What's your journey? Do you not look back and are you not filled with wonder at the grace of God that's transformed your life? Are you not amazed that, you know, the things I said that they said to me, you know, He'll never shut your eye, but I wink at the girls, you know. He'll never close this eye. It's so badly damaged. It'll always be open. You'll sleep with it open. But I wink. It's okay. It's fine. It's because I love you. I wink. I believe he began to look for a way to demonstrate the grace of God that had been shown to him, to someone who was unworthy as he was. And in verse 3 he said that I might show him kindness. Who's showing you kindness? Yeah, who's been kind to you? Who's shown you mercy? Mephibosheth would become someone who was a recipient. Recipient, that's a good word, guys. Recipient. It's okay, I had a lot of stitches in my mouth and it's hard to say some words. I'm doing all right. 
He was a recipient of God's grace. But there's a deeper story here. It reveals the grace of God that we find. I want to say this to you, just a few points. I've been, I've been told I've got ten minutes. We finish by twenty past. Is that okay? Grace will find you first. Okay? Grace will find you first. David asked the question, is there someone in, yet from the house of Saul that I might show kindness to? Grace will find you first. Grace begins in the throne room and it finds us. Yeah, in God's throne room there, there's an abundance of grace. It begins there, but it finds us. And like Mephibosheth, before we're ever aware of it, grace has already begun to seek us out. He didn't hear the words that David spoke. He didn't know. But grace began to seek him, began to reach out towards him. While we were in sin, he loved us and sought us. God's grace remembers us. It does. I've never been forgotten, even in, even in times of being comatose for, for various reasons. Grace never forgot me. Forgotten by his nation, abandoned by his family. No reason, no reason to remember Mephibosheth. Didn't matter whether he lived or he died, actually. There was no reason to remember him. But out of God's grace, David remembered the crippled man. And people were quick to say to David, Ah, oh, he's a cripple. He's no use to you. He's no value. He has no, he's worthless. He's useless. He's hopeless. He can't even walk. He wouldn't do, be any good to you as a servant. Why would you want him in your palace? True for you and me. Why would God want me? I'd only make the place untidy. I'd only make it smell a bit. Why would God call me? He didn't remember him because of what he could get out of him for his potential or for what he'd got. David was motivated by this one thing. He was motivated by the grace of God. I want to say that God's grace actually carries us. Yeah, so let's go, let's go to Lodibar. Mephibosheth is sitting in Lodibar. And a message comes. Mephibosheth, come to the palace. I can't get up. I'd like to go. I'm a little afraid. I'm afraid because if I go, he may kill me. Because he knows I'm the last one. But if I don't go, he'll come and get me. I'm petrified, I'm terrified, I'm afraid. But I can't get up anyway. So I can't go. If he calls me, I can't go because I'm a cripple. So what happens from the palace? David sends men to lift him. He's carried. He's carried. It's what grace does. It picks us up. It goes to where we are. And we lie there and we say, I'm ruined, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless. I've been there. Believe me, I've been there. I'm, I can't take another step. I can't do another movement. I'm finished. And suddenly grace comes. Huh. I want to say this to you. I've, I've been lying in the arms of grace. So it's not another woman. I've been lying in the arms of grace. Because I know that I can't. It's a good thing for an elder to tell you. It probably is actually. I can't. I'm hopeless. I'm lost. Apart from that grace, there's nothing else I can do. I'm not immune to the circumstance and the situations of life. I can do nothing without the grace of God. And so, and so from the throne room, from the palace, comes ministers of grace and they pick him up and they carry him. How astounding is that? When we can't help ourselves, the grace of God carries us. God's grace is, is not dependent on Mephibosheth's ability, or yours or mine. 
when we can't walk any further, brothers and sisters, let the grace of God carry us. Because it's grace that gets us home. Here, this thing's slipping off. (laughs) When you can't believe anymore, when you can't do anything, then call for grace. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says this, My my grace is sufficient for you. It is. is. What is it made perfect in? In your strength? In your ability? In your mental capacity? In your understanding? In your goodness? In your hard work? In your many reading of the scripture? It's made perfect in your weakness. In your weakness. I'm sorry, I'm weak. I'm close to tears because I know that this message is the word of God. God's motivation to reach us is pure. So was David's. God's grace pursues us. I've tried to run from it many times. But I can't outdistance it because it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps running. And when I'm weary and I'm done, it still chases me. It pursues me with a, with, with a vengeance. With a determination that I've found in nothing else. It'll chase after me all day and all night. And eventually I stop. And the grace of God is at the bottom of my bed. I want to show you some people. Ask the prodigal son about grace. Ask him. He found him in a pig pen and brought him home. Ask Joseph. He found him in a pit dug by his brothers and lifted him as high as second in command in Egypt. Ask the Samaritan woman at the well. He found her there in the middle of the day. Like David, God sends out his messengers of grace. Brothers and sisters, will we be ministers of the grace of God? No matter where you are today, grace can find you. No matter where they are today, grace can find them and change their life. You may not be able to change them. The situation, the circumstance, the issue, the problem, you can't do anything. But the grace of God, it can. Wherever they are, those ones that you love, those ones that you care for, those ones that you long for, Those ones that only God sees, the grace of God can do that. Oh my goodness. This is very real for me. Grace is where you abandon your crippled past. It's where you get up. And you're changed and you're different. David summoned Mephibosheth to come, but he didn't have to. And today, the grace of God, it calls you. You don't have to come, but you should. But you need to. We need to make our response to this grace. Because if we don't, we remain in Lodibar, unfruitful, desolate and lost. But the grace of God, it calls us to come. 
Although grace is offered, it's up to us to embrace it. But embracing it means that we have to let go of our crippled past. We have to. We can't remain the same. We can't stop in the place of desolation, of lostness. Of we, we have to leave that behind. And we have to get up and come to the palace. Mephibosheth's feet were not the only part of him that was crippled. His life was as well. He could have let bitterness and fear keep him there. God desires to trade our past for his presence. Huh. I don't just mean his, you know, his presence, I mean his presence is coming, his presence, our past for that. But when we come and we worship, our, our past seems as though it's a memory to me now. Yeah, it's a memory to me now. But oh my goodness, I learned some things in Lodibar. I learned some things in, you know, you want to find out about my journey, I'll tell you, but I learned some stuff on that journey. It means that I can tell you this story. God desires to trade our past for his presence, so let's let go and take hold of grace. Let's abandon a crippled mentality. His handicap left him feeling worthless. He, He described himself as a dead dog. And I think the me, I'm just a dead dog. So I am. How transforming it must have been to realize he had value in the eyes of the king. Amen. How astounding that, that Jesus loves me. How amazing that God is my father. How awesome it is that he values me. In times I felt like a snake than about a dead dog. But he values me and he lifts me up. How transforming it must have been as he was restored to the palace. We were made to be royalty in the family of God. Don't trade your royal place. Don't doubt that God has placed you in the family. We didn't join an organization, sorry, but we joined a family. Church is is an organization, not an organization, it's a family. Yeah. I got five minutes. I wish I'd got an hour. He had an intimate position. How close do you want to be? How near do you want to be? We're part of the royal family of God. He was one of the king's sons. That's what he said, just like my sons, just as my own children. God's grace won't just make us servants. I'd be happy to be a servant, by the way. Because when you've been in the pig pen, you know, servant's a good place to be. I'd be happy to be a servant. Or just part of the royal priesthood of God, that would be amazing. But a son and a daughter of God, how awesome that is. That That he choose me to be his son. You know, your children are your children, but if you adopt someone, you choose them. He adopted me. He chose me. Didn't have to. The sons and daughters of God, isn't that incredible? The position of fellowship, there was a restoring to him. An inheritance was given to him. Grace restored his land. Grace is going to restore this land. Grace of God is going to restore the places in which we live. The, the villages at which we come from, it's going to restore our town and our county. Grace is going to do that. 
There's a restoration work that's begun already within, within our communities. We're going to see these things happen. But for him, there was a restoration of all that belonged to his father. It was given back to him. The gospel, as the gospel is preached, restoration is beginning at work, in lives, in families, in situations, in circumstances. The land is being restored to us. It's being renewed and revitalized. Mephibosheth had the king's ear. So do I. You better watch out. I know where you better be careful, you see, if you talk to me, because I've got the king's ear. He whispers, he sits, he whispers to me. He ate what the king ate. I love this, I so love this. He ate what the king ate. I lived on bread and water for years, you know. But he ate what the king ate. The king's chefs cooked for him. Ha, ah, I wonder if it's called on blur or a la carte. Ah, ah. Whatever you like. Whatever you like. He ate what the king ate. Come on. The table's set. Come on. Table's set. Chair. Chair for you. Stay with the chair for you, mate. Table's set. Invitation's been given out for dinner. You're coming. You're coming. Or do you want to go to the soup kitchen? Or do you want to go for a food parcel? Table's been set. I saw this. I saw, I saw, the, I saw the, the, the chair and the table and the banquet. And, and I saw the name place and it said Martin Kedian. Wow! I saw it. I saw it. And, and I walked up and I was going to pull the chair out and someone did it for me. Ha <laughs> <laughs> For me! I did that once for Jenny when we went out for our first meal. I pulled the chair out for her and she went and sat the other side of the table. <laughs> and she said, I didn't know you did it for me. Yeah? The chair pulled out and I sat down. Oh my goodness. What a banquet. What a feast. What provision. Don't doubt your honoured place. Don't doubt it. Table's prepared for you. In the presence of your enemies, it's prepared for you. It's a perpetual provision every single day. The table is set. Not a day goes by when you can't sit down. Not a a single moment when you need to be hungry. Not a time when you should ever be in want. As long as the king's on the throne, and how long is Jesus and God going to be be around for? Forever and ever and ever. Amen. Perpetual provision. Every day he'll sit at my table. Every day we can come. A banquet's prepared and a feast is ready. Grace is where we receive God's favour at his son's expense. I'm nearly finished. Mephibosheth wasn't receiving grace on the basis of what he'd done because he'd done nothing. But because of this wonderful relationship that Jonathan and David had. Why do I say that? Because I'm not receiving anything because I ever did anything for God. I didn't do anything for him. I disowned him. I I, I disrespected him. I broke every law he ever made. I wasn't receiving grace because I was one of the good guys. But I received grace because of Jesus Christ, his son. Amen. 
Because in Him, it is the fullness of grace. And because of what He'd done, because He'd come, because He died on the cross, because He sacrificed His life, then because of my relationship with Him, and only that, don't be disappointed in me. Yeah, At very best, I'm not very good. Okay. I'm not putting myself down. I, I, I just know that I could do better, that I could do more, that I could go further. But it's only grace. Likewise, we're not receiving grace because of our own goodness or works, but on the basis of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We live in the achievement of another. I can't claim anything. Actually, I blessed the day when I met some of you because as much as the cross saved me, you saved me. Yeah? Because you were messengers of the grace of God. Two minutes. We live in the abundance of the inheritance. Are you doing that? In the favour of the only begotten Son of God. That's what I live in. Yeah? This world ain't going to touch me, folks. Recession? I didn't sign for it. I'm not believing for it. I'm not part of it. It's not, it doesn't belong to me. I live in the palace, sit at the table. You wouldn't believe. I've lost four stone in a year, you know. But you, but but, but actually, it's probably, maybe my diet's changed. Maybe my food has gotten better. Maybe I'm sitting at, at God's table more, and it agrees with me. So I'm going to conclude. It may surprise you. I don't understand the mystery of grace. I don't understand it, but I partake of it. I taste it. I feast upon it. I live in the good of it. I journey with it. I've been lying in the arms of grace, amazing woman, for the last few months. I only know this, that it meets us where we are, but it doesn't leave us there. It doesn't leave us where it found us. Are we today receiving and embracing the grace that God offers to us right now, right this moment. It's a choice. And if you're a believer this morning, you need to find yourself in a place where you stand on holy ground and you receive the grace of God. Are you in need of grace? Are you in need of grace? I am. I want to say that today... As is every day, God's new day of grace. I want to conclude with this and say to you that I know that there have been times in my life where there have been situations and circumstances and issues and problems that, that, where I felt the very demons of hell have come against me. And I've prayed and I've fasted and I've worked and I've read and I've confessed and I've done everything I can and no change. But I've also learned that there are some things that only grace moves. And actually we come and we stand and we say, Father, impart to me your grace. Give me the grace of God so that I can push through, that I can break through, that I can stand on solid ground, that I can overcome this situation and this circumstance by your grace. And I'm finished now. I want to say this, that if you find yourself in the place where there are things that have been around for too long, 
Come and see me and I'll pray for the grace of God to touch your heart and change your life. 